She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Atlantis. This episode was written and produced by Fred Warshawski. Warshawski wrote and directed In Search of Ancient Mysteries in 1973 and The Outer Space Connection in 1975, which are the second and third of the three hour long pilots for the series hosted by Rod Serling that we kind of decided to skip after we watched the first one, which was In Search of Ancient Astronauts. Yeah, because that was, whew, that was it was dry and it was a little racist and none of the information was very good. So we just were kind of like, yeah. no, it was basically Chariot of the Gods is what it was. So it was mm-hmm. all Eric yeah. Van Daniken. So, yeah, this episode was directed by H.G. Stark. So there is a director mm-hmm. and it was edited by Thea Bentler. The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And it originally aired on Sunday, May 22nd, 1977. So the night after the previous episodes, they aired one on Saturday and one on Sunday. Yeah, so back to back again. Yeah. So then we get our narration from Leonard Nimoy on a mysterious pinpoint in the Pacific Ocean called Easter Island. A gathering of stone giants guard the shore. No one knows who carved them, why they exist, or how the 50 ton monsters were put into place. Yet they are here unexplainable gargantuan pieces in a baffling mystery and he actually says in a baffling mystery there's like an audio break there it's weird like they actually cut the b out of baffling so anyway also he calls them monsters and that's not very nice anyway so anyway continue with his narration sorry i'm like commentary <laughs> like we go in the jungles of central america colossal stone heads were discovered 80 miles from where they were originally carved Weighing 100 tons, there is no clue as to how they were transported through the dense swamp, nor do we know who moved them to this remote jungle. Long before the Egyptians built the pyramids, someone constructed a vast stone city atop a peak in the Andes. The ruins stand empty and silent. Each carving is a disconnected figure from the past, yet some common origin might join them together. The earth itself bears the portraits of other giants scratched onto a plateau in California 10,000 years ago. Others were etched with precision into an English hillside long before the building of Stonehenge. The tools required to carve and move the giants indicate an advanced technology. There is a place where the knowledge and skills to create the giants may be found. The Kingdom of Atlantis. Never before have explorers been so close to finding Atlantis. Never have we possessed as many clues, nor have we been able to bring the detection equipment of modern science to the search until now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they definitely found Atlantis, and that's what this episode is going to be about, right? Yeah, I think so. Cool. All right. I'm in. Yeah, although I have to question some of the um, arguments made in this narration about how we don't know how things are transported or who built. I know because we do. They figured that out, right? Most of them have yeah. been. And I think some of that point. was actually figured out when this was made. I mean, there have been a lot of like 
discoveries. I don't even want to say discoveries. Just a lot of like knowledge has improved a lot. Right. And people like then. have figured out the engineering of how you would have done that back yeah, then. Yeah, but I with think the some of that was known that back then too. I yeah, think. probably. So, yeah. Anyway, then we get our little mid opening credit break. The broken column may be all that remains of an ancient civilization blasted apart by an incredible explosion. Atlantis. And we see like some dude swimming around this column in the water. So mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. Otherwise, you're like, what are you talking about? A broken column? Anyway, and we're going in search of Atlantis in case you hadn't figured that out. So, you know, yeah. Yep. Pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Although, just remember, this series is based in part on theory and conjecture. Huh. So, okay. Yes. Also, Atlantis is kind of like white man Wakanda, honestly, is what I was thinking <laughs> about. So, um, yeah. Most I mean, sort know. of. Although Wakanda is a lot cooler, to be honest. Yeah, but it's that whole like it's like, well, at least what it's turned into is like all super technology and super advanced, and of course it was full of white people, undoubtedly, right? It wasn't. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like no Aquaman or Namor or anything. So, but yeah, but we'll get into that in the episode. All right. So we start the episode with a quote from Greek philosopher Plato in the year 421 BC, and Nimoy quotes. There occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared in the depths of the sea. Ooh. Since then, adventurers obsessed with the tale of Atlantis have searched for the remains of the fabled kingdom. Actually, not really since then. That's not true. Mostly since, like, the, I think it was the 19th century where people really started looking. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> just a quick correction no one back then was looking for it anyway it's fine atlantis was said to be a great city-state ruled by men descended from gods was it real or merely a myth if it was real it would have been a place where technology was far more advanced than anywhere on earth whoa wakanda yeah And we can use the descriptions of Atlantis by Plato as clues in the search to determine its existence. Which is interesting because we're not using description of Atlantis to describe what we just said about Atlantis. We're not using descriptions of Atlantis by Plato as clues to describe what we just said about Atlantis being like gods and super advanced technology because Plato doesn't talk about any of that stuff. Mm -mm. No, that comes later. So a small island in the Mediterranean hardly seem to fit the bill for a great kingdom that is said to have conquered most of Africa and half of Europe. However, in 1966, on the island of Santorini, a building was dug out from under 250 feet of ash and lava. It was the first discovery of a great city. Whoa. Today, in 1976, only small villages cling to Santorini's mountainsides. But the island was once a large circular landmass. 3,500 years ago, it was shattered by a volcanic eruption. And all that remains is a thin crescent mountain isle and a smoldering volcano that erupts at least twice a century. Mm. Santorini was known to Plato as Thera. And could the volcano that destroyed it have buried the remains of Atlantis? (gasps) Maybe. And then we get some quotations from Plato that are ascribed to the ruins of Santorini, Thera, 
And we are led to wonder if this place could be Atlantis. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. As a little clarification, from what I understand, Thera was the name of the volcano, which was actually like the mountain itself. And Santorini was actually like the city on the mountain. Okay. So that makes I don't sense. Know if, I don't know if Plato knew it as Santorini or if he knew it as Thera, but the volcano was Thera. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I guess they're on the same place. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But the whole thing might have been Thera and then it blew up. And so now what's left is Santorini. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I don't know if Santorini is a modern name or not. Just in the episode, they say that Plato knew Santorini is Thera, but Thera technically was the volcano. So, and then we get a picture of the Antikythera mechanism, which is an astronomical analog computer. And we learned that the first modern computer wasn't built until 1930. And yet these gears were fashioned 2,000 years earlier. Whoa. <gasps> yep. And then we don't talk about it again. We just, we see it and then that's it. Yeah. Bye. They don't really talk about like what, like, I guess it calculated distances or something. It looks like it's got some, some measurement yeah. equipment well, on it. Was it was to but... do like, it was for sailing, like to help with, you know, like the sky and figure out. You know, okay. Obviously, we, navigation you know, we, and stuff. We didn't, yeah, because we had. Is it longitude? For a long time, when you were sailing, it was kind of easy to get off course on long distances because there was no way to accurately calculate until we got way better clocks and stuff to keep track of things. But yeah, so it's kind of that kind of thing. You can see lots of cool models of it on the internet and stuff like that too. It's pretty sweet. Cool. Anyway, but yeah, we don't talk about it again. We just see it and then it's like, oh, look, modern. Fancy technology that couldn't have existed back then. (laughs) Anyway, so we're told despite descriptions of Atlantis matching the ruins of Santorini, Plato himself seems to suggest it was located elsewhere beyond the Pillars of Hercules, which is today known as the Rock of Gibraltar. So Atlantis must lie west somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. (gasps) Oh, well, if if we knew it wasn't Santorini, why are we looking for it there anyway it's okay it could be i mean there's also <laughs> some debate about what the pillars of hercules were i know i know and also the fact that like this was an island that was obviously swallowed into the sea so therefore fits the description yeah got it yeah so then we learn that the geography of the earth is not constant what was once ocean is now land and what was once land is now submerged below the oceans in the Atlantic Ocean, a landmass once existed between the waters of the Aegean and the Caribbean seas. Whoa. Which is, that's a big landmass, honestly. If it, yeah, I was not aware of that. Anyway, beneath the waters of both of those seas lie the broken remains of ancient cities. They may represent the western and eastern ports of Atlantis. Whoa. Yeah. It seems like we're doing some reverse logic here of, like, we have things, and so they... I don't know. This seems. I never heard about a landmass between the Aegean and the Caribbean. That's a big distance. Atlantic Ocean is pretty big. Yeah, I mean, once upon a time it was Pangaea. Is that what they're talking about? Or I don't know. It's weird. yeah, but that was, but that wasn't a different landmass. That was just the landmasses we have, like together. Yeah, and they're talking about oh. one covered in water. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree that the Earth has moved and changed a lot in thousands of years and tens of thousands of years and millions of years. But yeah, it seems like kind of a leap to suggest that. Yeah, we're going to get some more info here in a minute about how big Atlantis supposedly was. So yeah, the search for the eastern port takes place off the shore of the Spanish city of Cadiz. It was once a Phoenician port. Oh. 
Oh, those Phoenicians. Those Phoenicians. We meet Dr. Maxine Asher of the Ancient Mediterranean Research Association, AMRA, and Spanish diver Francisco Salazar Cesaro. In 1973, two and a half miles off the shore and 95 feet below the surface, they found a discovery of amphora, which is a special kind of Greek vase with two handles and is very long, amongst the ruins of a city possibly older than any Greek or Phoenician ruins in the area. And then the Spanish government revoked their license to dive because they probably found Atlantis. And they were like, stop finding Atlantis. Yeah, they're like, you guys aren't allowed to find Atlantis. So that's our secret. Sorry. Yep, because Atlantis was described as an island larger than Africa and Asia combined, <laughs> which of course would be two. Is that an island? That's a continent. That's, that's not an two. Island. That's a continent like that's bigger than Europe and Asia. Like that's huge. It's massive. Like there's no room on the Earth for something that big. Plus, the thing that big would have gotten swallowed under the water anyway. That's well, that's what happened. It got swallowed under the water. Weren't you listening, Tori? gone um yeah okay if that's yeah ancient cartography has led some researchers to believe that antarctica slowly drifted south and may have once been part of a larger landmass so i mean again it was part of pangea so that's not untrue could be part of atlantis (laughs) (laughs) okay this has gone off the rails already (laughs) this is very the edge of that landmass may have been discovered below the crystal waters of the caribbean but its discovery is no less remarkable than the man who may have predicted its existence edgar casey (laughs) the sleeping prophet Oh, and then we get a list of Casey's hits, including some that have yet to take place. Which are they hits if they haven't occurred yet? You can't no. call those hits. No, you like can't. Like if you predict something that hasn't happened yet, you can't call that a hit. I'm sorry. Can't do that. Anyway, in 1940, Casey said Atlantis had broken into five islands. Not that it happened in 1940, but in 1940, like when he was having. That's like when he predicted things. it. Yeah. Yeah. That he's saying, like, back in the day, it broke into five islands. And the largest is one that he called Poseidia. And it was Poseidia that he claimed would be among the first to rise again due to the geological changes in 1968 or 1969. So, yeah. Weird, because I don't So, obviously, something is going to happen in 68 or 69. Yeah, I mean, clearly, it's going to come back. And we should have probably heard about that by now, I would think. Well... So in 1967, a pilot noticed rectangular structures below the crystal clear waters, precisely where Casey predicted, near Bimini, off the coast of Florida, only 35 feet below the sea. <gasps> and That's the not epi- 1968 or 1969. That's no, 1967. But in, in psychic terms, if you're close, it counts as a hit because everyone will just assume that you were just like a little bit off and you were still correct. Okay. People give I mean, they made, they a, made a big of deal telling us it was 68 or 69, and then they tell us it's 67. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. show says there are two possible explanations for this. One, these stones are the remains of a paved road. Mm. I mean, it kind of looks that way. Yeah. And two, they're the tops of huge stone walls that once enclosed Atlantis. Oh, that's. I could see that too, honestly. Yeah. Atlantis could be way down there. Yeah. They they don't mention the third and most likely possibility, which is that they're actually just pillow lava. Pillow lava. That sounds like you would sleep on lava. 
No, so pillow lava is where lava bubbles up from usually like, you know, a fissure under the ocean or something. And because it, it comes out slowly, the cold waters of the ocean will like harden the lava into like a bulbous or roundish shape. Sometimes they can be kind of square and pillowy. Um, They can be long tubes, but like it'll just harden around it because it comes out so slowly. And then obviously other lava gets stuck in the middle and yeah, I don't know. This it. looks like like rectangular rocks that were put together to make roads or walls to me, honestly. Yeah. I don't know about mm-hmm. this pillow lava theory. Here, so <laughs> <we'll> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they show pictures. We can see it. On they the do show pictures, and it, it, yeah, looks it looks like, like a bunch what of a geologist would stones. describe as pillow so. lava. Anyway, that's just one explanation. And again, this show does tell you that it doesn't tell you all the explanations. So just mm. saying. Just saying. Hey, Scully. <laughs> well, you know, she was a big inspiration to me. So I do like science. So then we hear about author Peter Tompkins, Count Pino Tirola, who's an Italian archaeologist, underwater explorer Dmitry Rebikov, and archaeologist Dr. David Zink. And so they're gonna they're gonna look into this pillow. I'm sorry into these stones under the water that are buried. Mm-hmm. Today. Yeah. So beyond the giant blocks, they discovered the wrecks of many ships. One had sunk in the 1830s, but underneath that, they discovered a ship that had sailed the seas 3,000 years earlier. <gasps> and it was not like an Atlantis ship. Oh. It was a Phoenician one, according to Yale's Dr. J. Manson Valentine. So. no. Oh. A little bit of a buzzkill there, Valentine. Yeah. And but, I mean, the Phoenicians were probably trading with the Atlanteans. And yeah, I mean, they do, there. they do mention that the, it would have been a big port. Of course, they would have had Phoenician ships. Yeah. The Phoenicians were known to go everywhere. As we know, mm-hmm. they built that thing in New England. <laughs> that was the Minoans. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I apologize. Because the Phoenicians became the Minoans. Although that's not true either. But yeah. Anyway, south of the wall, Tirola discovered four marble columns. (gasps) Which those are the columns that we saw in the in the Yeah. Although it is mentioned that those columns could actually be like the wreckage of ships. Like it could be like parts of ships and not necessarily columns you would find in a building. That's why they sunk. You're not supposed to build ships out of stone. Well, I mean, they, yeah, anyway, they could have been, they're not necessary. I guess maybe they know they're stone. I don't know. Anyway. Says they're marble. It does say they're marble. It does say they're marble. And then Nimoy tells us that at every site we've investigated, there are artifacts of remarkable civilization, but nowhere can we find the remains of the people who might have resided in Atlantis. <gasps> Plato may have answered that question. He says that the people of Atlantis were warned before the destruction and they all fled. Just like the Martians. Yeah, isn't that interesting how, how people keep fleeing before we can find any I wonder if the Atlantis people got in rocket ships and just left Earth. Maybe. 
I mean, interestingly, we haven't found any like artifacts of Atlanteans either. Like we haven't found any, you know, sculptures or artwork. I mean, we found that computer that was built 2000 years ago. Yeah, but (laughs) obviously couldn't have been built by anybody else. Uh Uh-huh. So roads and walls and stuff. I mean, come on. (laughs) Being a little overly skeptical here, Tori, I have to say. (laughs) So if that's true. Are the megaliths that guard the lonely outposts of the world a clue? <gasps> the Moai of Easter Island, the megaliths of Tiawanako atop the Andes, and the colossal heads in the jungles of Leventa in Central America. Egypt is symbolized by its pyramids. So too are the cities of the Maya. There are other similarities. The Temple of Amun-Ra in Karnak is aligned to the summer solstice. So, too, is the Incan monument they call the Hitching Post of the Sun. Very weird that multiple cultures would use natural occurrences like solstices and like celestial objects like the sun to align their temples. That, that had no, to be. It, they, they, uh, it sounds like they all came from Atlantis <laughs> is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, on, it's I'm definitely on, not I'm... that they just independently decided that those things were important and aimed their temples in those directions. But that's. I mean, point. that's a more complicated idea, honestly, than, <laughs> you know, Occam's razor, Tori. Like, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. The pottery of the Mochica in Peru depicted Asians, Africans, Arabs, Indians, Egyptians, and Greeks. People likely to have interacted in a place such as Atlantis. Mm-hmm. I mean, assuming we use visual stereotypes as a guide to identify people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very but, true. Yeah. yeah. And then the Mochica are more commonly referred to as the Moche today. So mm-hmm. I had to look it up because I was like, that looks like Moche sculptures. But also, if you want to see some dirty, dirty sculpture. <laughs> mm, yeah, the Moche. They, yeah, they were they they were like, yep. You know what? I need a vase that looks like me having sex with people. So, yeah. So I say dirty. It's not dirty. It's what people do. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no moral judgment, but very adult rated. Yes. Very. Yes. Yeah. Amid the stones and the bones of the past, we have found connections between the cultures of the ancient world. Mm -hmm. Again, the idea that similar cultures may come up with similar ideas is not weird. But anyway, I also like that the stones and the bones of the past. Very nice. I like that. Very, yeah, that is good. that is a good line. Yeah. In the tombs of Peru, we find similarities with the Egyptians and the Maya. Developments in mathematics and astronomy may lead back to Atlantis, which I'm sorry, I hate that so much. That just makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea that other people couldn't just come up like Atlantis had to come up with it somewhere, too. So why couldn't the Egyptians? Why couldn't the Maya? Like, come on. They didn't need to because they are Atlanteans. I mean, they just moved. And then, of course, the strongest connection may be the shared belief in eternal life. And we get we get some images of mummies again. Our old friend Ramses is there. And yep. 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 Well, because we get we get we get a South American mummy and then we yes. transition to Ramses. Yeah. Yes. And then Nimoy tells us we have attempted to piece together the jigsaw puzzle of history that has been scattered by disaster. In doing so, we found what may be the only remaining traces of the lost kingdom of Atlantis. Of one thing we can be certain, the memory of Atlantis is no myth. It is history. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, if you say so, sure, whatever, whatever. The tale of Atlantis was first told by the priests of Egypt to a Greek poet named Solon. They assured him that the original archive containing the tale of Atlantis still existed. That was 3,000 years ago. In one of his last prophecies, Edgar Cayce said that the archives of Atlantis would one day be revealed in Egypt. Soon, a new expedition will begin, the re-exploration of the pyramids of Egypt, searching among the hieroglyphs and tomb paintings for the absolute proof that once, back before the beginnings of history, a marvelously advanced civilization of human beings once ruled the earth from an island continent called Atlantis. And then we get the return of the pre-closing credit narration that we only saw once in episode two, where it's all lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena, in search of cameras or traveling the world, seeking out these great mysteries. This program was a result of the work of scientists, researchers, and a group of highly skilled technicians. And then we get the end credits. So this episode has production number 701, which is actually the first number that's used on any of the episodes. The episodes this season go from 701 to 736, which obviously there are some gaps because season one only has 24 episodes. And two episodes this season don't actually even have production numbers. But interestingly, season two has three episodes with production numbers that fall within this range, as well as two more without production numbers. So it may be, we've talked about this before, that production number and airing number may not have anything to do with each other. So, right. So they may have made this totally out of order and it doesn't really this matter. This may have been the very first episode they did. Who knows? Yeah. And then that footage we saw of the Bimini Road or Bimini Wall, whatever you want to call it, and the pillars were previously seen without context in both the Strange Visitors and the Bermuda Triangle episodes. And then there will actually be an episode dedicated to the Bimini Wall in season four. Oh, nice. I hope we learn that it's pillow lava. That'd be cool. I think we're going to learn that it's Atlantis. <laughs> but anyway, so. So. <laughs> The dialogues in which Plato discusses Atlantis are probably, like many of his dialogues, just a fictional allegory he made up to make a point about hubris and technology and getting too advanced too quickly and attacking other nations and how, like, that would lead to your destruction, right? Like, that was the point. He used real people. He used Socrates and Solon. And that's where the story that Solon heard from the Egyptians that about the city of Atlantis and how they have records of it. But like, it's probably made up because even though Plato used real people, a lot of his dialogues were completely fabricated. Also in his story, Athens beats Atlantis in a war. Yes. So they, they couldn't be that advanced in a magical and amazing, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he may have loosely based Atlantis on real stories. It may have been based on Thera. Like, you know, maybe like, oh, an island sunk into the sea. And so he may have based mm -hmm. that. But it wasn't real. And he didn't intend anyone to think it was real. And it won't be till much later that people start this like hunt for Atlantis, like in the 1800s, I think, with like people are looking for El Dorado and they're looking for the fountain of youth and they're looking for Atlantis. And that doesn't really come from Plato. It wasn't really a thing. So I think yeah. the big thing was when Schliemann found Troy. 
Oh, probably. Yeah. Hundreds. And then people started being like, whoa, if the Homer stories, you know, then maybe some of these other stories. And that's when the big. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, and also like the late 1800s, early 1900s was just like crazy time archaeology, too. Yes. That's when most dinosaur skeletons were originally found stuff like i mean not most but like a lot of that stuff was originally discovered and stuff like that yeah. we were just digging up all over the place and looking for things mm-hmm. yeah and like we mentioned earlier most of what we know about atlantis like in terms of like the great white race with the technology and stuff that all comes from edgar casey who if you don't know about edgar casey i mean my hot take on edgar casey is that he's just trash he believed in a lot of ridiculous stuff. He believed that human beings were separate races. Like we aren't all one race. We aren't all one species. We're like separate species. And of course, if you believe that, guess who you think is the superior one? I mean, I'm just going to let your imagination run wild. But uh, the Atlanteans, obviously. Yeah. Um. He also like he started having visions like his whole psychic thing started because he had like some kind of illness And like in his dream, he told himself to like drink this cure and he did it and he felt better. And then he believed that he could cure people through his dreams. So he would like diagnose and then give people like remedies while sleeping. And yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I don't have high opinions of Edgar Casey, but yeah, that's where a lot of the Atlantis lore that we know and think about today in like a sci-fi manner, like it all comes from him. It didn't really come from Plato. Yeah. And you can actually go check out his institute in Virginia Beach, Virginia. So Yeah. Interestingly, I was trying to find, like, I kept looking for just the debunking of Casey, like that spelled out his like predictions and which ones, quote unquote, are true and which ones didn't come true. And I just couldn't even find like a simple breakdown of that. So I'm sure it's somewhere. If anyone has I mean, one, probably because they me. can't be debunked. <laughs> but I would, I just, I really wanted to find like a list of like, he predicted this, he predicted this. And like, you know, did this really happen or not? And then if so, like, what did his actual predictions say versus like what is being interpreted to like, oh, he said this and that, that in, you know, when Kennedy was shot, obviously this is what he's referring to. And I couldn't really find a lot of that. So maybe I just didn't look hard enough. Yeah, a lot of his later stuff was really heavy on like geological stuff. Like even the Atlantis stuff is very like there's going to be like geological upheaval. And that's why Atlantis will rise and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. he was very, again, that whole like the earth is falling apart. People you need to stop doing what you're doing because messing it up. So, yeah, yeah, he was into that too. We had a lot of characters in this episode and a lot of them are kind of crazy pants. So we had Dr. Maxine Asher that we talked to at one point. We actually talked to her on screen. She was an Atlantis researcher. Surprise, surprise. She also founded and operated the American World University, which was basically a degree mill. And then she also founded the World Association of Universities and Colleges, which was an institution accredited by the American World University. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. She had it going down so yeah she didn't like i think she served some prison time and yeah so she's she's so she's interesting the reason why their diving licenses were revoked was because the spanish government so this is in the time of franco like right before the end of franco right because franco dies in 1975 and so like spanish government and politics is very tumultuous they thought they were spies and so uh, they kicked them out. So they had to flee and go. Yeah. So that's why they weren't able to finish their their diving 
to find out what was going on with that. Gotcha. Yeah. And then Peter Tompkins, he is a journalist. He also actually worked for the OSS in World War II. Like the predecessor of like the CIA. He was a spy in Rome and then wrote a bunch of In Search of the Great Pyramids, The Mysteries of the Mexican Pyramids, Secrets of the Great Pyramid, The Secret Life of Plants, 1973. We mentioned him, I believe, in our very first episode, The Secret Life of Plants. So he wasn't mentioned in the episode, but when we were doing all our plant research stuff, I believe I brought him up. Yeah. The big books and that kind of thing. Yeah. He wrote a lot of stuff. The Magic of Obelisks. So, yeah, he does a lot of stuff. And then he did a documentary in 1977 called The Secrets of the Bermuda Triangle. Huh. So, yeah. So he was into that kind of stuff. And then we have Dr. Daniel Zink. He was part of Tompkins' group that went and saw the stones in the Caribbean. And Zink was an English professor at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado and then at Lamar University in Texas. And then he met J. Manson Valentine. We mentioned him. He's the one who said that, that, you know, ship was actually Phoenician. And then they did all the searches off the Bimini coast. In the episode, they say that a pilot was flying over and discovered like the grid pattern, the stones under the water. And that's when they started doing all the stuff. I've got two different stories. I'm not sure which one is true. And I haven't had time to go back to like, you know, initial reports and that kind of stuff. So a lot of the stuff, you know, is coming from different sources and it's the internet and things are all like circularly like reference. It makes it really difficult. But I've got two stories. They both involve Jay Manson Valentine. So one is that Jay Manson Valentine was the pilot who huh. saw them. And then that's why he's involved in like saying like, oh, that ship, that's definitely Phoenician. The other is that Jay Manson Valentine was actually just like, diving and discovered it because only like you know 35 feet below and the the waters of the caribbean are like super clear there so Mm -hmm. apparently he is the person who found it but either he was flying or he was swimming and saw them one of the two we mentioned that he is a doctor actually he's a bug scientist oh nice anything about phoenician boats so using him as a like he says it was a phoenician boat but he's like an entomologist. He doesn't know boats. He knows bugs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, got that air of authority because he's a doctor, but he's not a doctor of anything that actually is involved in what he was talking about. So Count Pino Trullo, he apparently, while diving, was the one who found the the marble columns. Yeah, so which they mentioned in the show. Yeah, he later thought that the stones for those columns actually came from the Andes, Okay. He was big on finding like ancient pre-Inca civilizations, the Andes and all that kind of stuff. He also had an apparent interaction with the Mono Grande, which is the giant ape. Well, not really giant ape, but it's like the six foot tall, like new world ape that supposedly lives in South America. So Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. He's got a book called beyond the andes my search for the origins of pre-inca civilization where he actually talks about that so he died of a heart attack in 1984 and his new york times obituary doesn't mention anything about atlantis it just says that he had been engaged in the medical research of substances that had brought back from the amazon for cancer oh nice so a little medicine man action if you've ever seen that movie with Sean Connery. 
Yeah. So anyway, yeah. They don't mention that he was a European count who inherited a bunch of money, but didn't use the title that was passed down. And then in the late 40s, he moved to Canada and he became a writer and he worked for the CBC. And then he actually developed the Turola Controlled Descent Parachute, which was used by the United States government. And then they moved to Miami in 1965. And then he started his expeditions in Ecuador and then did all his Inca stuff. No mention of Atlantis in the New York Times. So, yeah. He died of a heart attack in 1984, sadly. That's too bad. So, yeah. Dmitry Rybakov, who gets one little slight mention, he's part of that four-person diving thing Mm -hmm. with Tompkins and Zinc and Tirola. He is actually probably, like, the most reputable person in that group. He actually developed a lot of, like, diving stuff. He was, like, he was actually, like, an exploratory diver. Oh, cool. he 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 developed a lot of stuff, and he has a very not crazy pants career so nice he kind of got unfortunately lumped in with them on that one well i mean he was probably there as like the diving expert to make sure no one drowned (laughs) he was just part of the expedition but you know and if they had found atlantis it would have been cool for him because he could have been like yeah i was on that expedition that found atlantis but atlantis isn't real yeah, but he he worked with oil companies and the Navy and scientific institutions, the Navy Oceanographic Office. And so mm-hmm. he was like a real like we always have those one or two people who are like they're people you would normally associate with weird stuff who get kind of shown in the episode. So he was one of those kind of people. So nice. he founded the Institute of Marine Technology, which was a nonprofit research institution in Fort Lauderdale, Florida in the 1980s. Oh, so, cool. And then he died in 1997 in Florida. So, yeah, he was like the lone person who was not involved in shady stuff (laughs) among our group of people that we talked to in this episode. Yeah, well, and I think like, I don't know. I mean, there used to be like, I think around this time in the 70s and stuff, there was like that rekindling of like, we're going to solve all these mysteries and find all this cool stuff. And like, I think it's fine to look into it like all it's like. It's like looking into Bigfoot from a scientific perspective. It doesn't make you completely wackadoo out there to like look into the science of is this possible? It's just that a lot of the people no. who are looking for that stuff are not looking for it in that way. They're looking for it in a very like emotional way or a- Right. Well, and also there's a lot like when you go in to look at the people who are like, oh, they talk. To, that's why I always like to do this. I actually go like, OK, they talked to this person. What else have they done? Right. right. And like early on, we found people who had like really like, you know, like in our first episode with the plant stuff. Right. We had the dude who like basically like started the whole like lie detector thing for the CIA. Mm-hmm. And we have the guy who like had all these patents and created like, you know, glow in the dark ink and just all this kind of stuff. And then afterwards went off into other yeah and you know if you've got a lot of money and time to play around good for you must be nice Mm -hmm. uh yeah that's that's great you do you i guess but then we also have the people who like they talk about them say like they're a doctor or they're a historian and you look at what else they've done and it's like whoa okay (laughs) okay like doctor might be generous yeah well, i mean dr be. maxine asher was apparently a doctor she was like a real like she had a degree and everything but then like later when you know the whole atlantis thing wasn't working out for her she decided to make a fake university mm-hmm. and then some spinoff universities that were accredited by the main university yeah and just sell sell degrees to people so yeah, yeah. cool cool yep 
and then people writing books about all kinds of stuff and then you know going off and meeting giant apes in the andes and just yeah interesting bug doctors who know about phoenician ships yeah i mean yeah so, why do you need yeah. anyone else to look at it he's got doctor right in his name yeah i mean it happens now too it happens all that happens all the time now especially um in climate science or any, anything anything oh, yeah. that's kind of controversial you'll always get like well dr so-and-so has said and you found like he's like he doesn't have anything to do with climatology right he? like, like he's, he's probably he's probably super smart in what he does but he doesn't know anything about this so why are you talking to him right exactly yeah, an opinion it's not any better than my opinion honestly so true yep yeah anyway but he probably doesn't have a podcast and i do so i get to talk all about my opinion <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I think we didn't else. we didn't find Atlantis. Also, it's not really I mean, we we're did. not gonna find I think it. We did. I'm pretty sure we did. Not gonna find it. Think, it does not exist. We did. Oh well, I don't think we found Atlantis. We definitely found like the eastern and western ports of Atlantis. Oh, there sure. we go. Okay, sure. So sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's enough evidence for me. <laughs> All right, then. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Yeah. Makes it all worth doing, honestly. I mean, we'd probably do this anyway because we probably would. So, but yeah, thank uh, you. But thank you. We appreciate it anyhow. We hope you're enjoying it. Yep. Bye. Bye. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode of production, design, and editing is by Lazian Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next Wednesday as we go in search of... Psychic detectives. Probably know we're coming because they're psychic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And try to figure out if If the the truth truth is is still still out out there. there.
but a Phoenician one, according to Yale's Dr. J. Mason Valentine. J. Manson Valentine. There's a lot of weird noise in the background. That's my cat digging in the litter box. Oh, cool. Sorry. Yeah, he (laughs) his kibble thing went off and there was no kibble. So he stared at me for a while and then he went to the litter box and he's now digging around like his life depends on it, even though he he doesn't probably need to dig that much. Mm. Hi, baby. He's probably trying to find Atlantis. Did you find Atlantis in your litter box? Hi, honey. Yes, you're very cute. I know. I'll get you kibble after we record. Hear me say kibble. It's like, I, I know, my baby. You're a good boy. You're a good boy, Billy. You want to go get him some kibble now? And then we can come back. Yeah, let me go grab him some kibble. Just because I forgot the feeder didn't have anything in it. You want some kibble? You want some kibble? Oh, Billy. 